Hello and welcome to Career Move Secrets, a brand new podcast for active job seekers and the career minded. In each episode, I'll interview a special guest from my global network. Guests will include seasoned recruiters, experienced hiring managers from companies big and small, and successful individuals who have developed great careers through making great career moves. My aim is to uncover and share my guests' unique perspectives, their insights, and their insider advice on job searching, interviewing, and career enhancement. My name is Tony Talbot, and I've been working in the recruitment industry as an international headhunter for over 20 years. I'm the creator of CareerMoveSecrets.com, a step-by-step online course for job seekers that I designed to be the ultimate guide to getting hired in the hidden job market. I will add my perspective to the conversation, and together with my guests, we hope to provide some genuine, actionable insider advice that will help you execute your next career move. Thanks for joining us today. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Career Move Secrets. And today's guest is Jane Ferrey. Jane has a 20-year career behind her in HR, uh, including senior HR roles such as Head of Leadership Development and Head of Talent at British Airways. Jane is now a career coach working with senior HR professionals that want to secure their dream role in their dream company. Hi, Jane. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much for inviting me onto the podcast. It's great to be here. You're welcome and very nice to have you. Obviously, I've done a bit of research on your background, which is an impressive one, um, but but my audience will not know your background. Could you give us the quick potted history? Yeah, so potted history. My my passion is uh, is hospitality, customer-facing roles, customer-facing industries, and that's what I studied at uni. Uh, When I left, I went on to the graduate programme at Disneyland Paris, where it kind of fell apart the whole program so I then used the opportunity to move into the parade department where I was very good friends with Mickey Mouse is the code word for that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, after that I I came back to the UK and thought I need to get a proper job so I then got a job as a holiday rep working for TUI so I did a couple of seasons in Mallorca a season a ski season in Andorra and then I came back again and went, now I've really got to find myself a proper job, which is when I joined British Airways, actually. So I actually joined in cargo. My first job was planning the freight that went on each aeroplane. So it's a great lesson for any aviation geek or any budding aviation geek. But it taught me so much about planes and the industry and how just how an airline operates. And from then, the the way that I got into HR was that I was uh, there was this big kind of change program. We were moving into this brand new building and I was on the tour you know they used to do a tour show you around show you where you're going to be working and I was got chatting to the training team and they said you'd make a brilliant trainer so I was like oh that's nice thank you and they went oh we've got a job vacancy I was like oh brilliant maybe I should apply and they went you should it closes tomorrow so I went home put my application in and got the job and that was kind of how I got into HR and then you know, BA is one of those organisations where you think, oh, I'll, I won't, I'll stay for a few years. And it ended up staying 20 years because you have the opportunity to grow your career and move around lots of different parts of the organisation. So I spent most of my time in HR. So moving from training to managing training teams to managing the cargo training 
portfolio, which was worldwide, to, you know, being an HR business partner. So I spent a good eight years or so as an HR business partner. So again, sort of using that knowledge of the operation and thinking about actually in an organization like BA, you know, your people are your second biggest expense after fuel um, at the time. So, you know, how do you get the most out of your people? And the thing that really kind of excited me was all of the talent bits. So helping get the most out of your, you know, the high potentials in an organization and just really getting your succession plans in place so that you're equipped for anything that the world can throw at you. <laughs> That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. And it's fascinating. I mean, what, BA is obviously one of these businesses that we all know, and I really think of it as a, you know, a proper blue chip. I would imagine it's quite hard to get in, you know, competitive when you're in there and you ended up in a, in a very senior position. Um, yeah. Uh, and and uh, involved in in that talent piece. So your 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 role your view today is going to be interesting because you're very much on the inside track, um, yeah. dealing with some of these senior appointments. Um, what's your experience of 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 that? What what did that? I'm assuming that that lends into your career coaching. That you know, <laughs> seeing it from the inside makes makes uh, makes you have a different view of how it all works. Yeah, I think it's quite a pragmatic view of what's going on inside an organisation. So, you know, the the thing that sort of prompted me into setting up my own business was I experienced redundancy twice. So I, you know, experienced mm. redundancy from BA and then when I moved to Leon restaurants as well. And when you're in the job market, each opportunity for you is like the world. It's yes. like the centre of your world. But what you have to understand is that for the people who are hiring you, it's one on a list of 20 or 30 things that they're dealing with at that time. Mm. So every day that passes feels like for you, the job seeker, as an eternity. Mm. But for the person in the business, it's just like, oh, God, I didn't get back to you know, Jane today about that job, I'll do it tomorrow. So it's almost just thinking about where you sit in terms of your world, which is like quite empty of a lot of stuff, things to do. Mm. Whereas for the person hiring you or the, the the person making things happen in an organization, you're you're kind of one of 20 things on their to-do list for that day. Yes, it's it's something that I encounter on a daily basis. Expectation yeah. management and yeah, people getting very upset and very irate quite quickly in, 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 you know, from my perspective, but from their own perspective, it's, well, actually, you know, you've, you've got me excited about a, a position either through advertising or through headhunt. I'm really interested in, I'm perfect for it in so many ways. I just want the job. I just want the opportunity to do the job or be interviewed yeah. for the job in your, you know, even though you're the facilitator, you're also somehow holding me back from that. And, and yeah. of course, that's, that's, not, that's not true, but uh, I, I do understand the mentality. And uh, I do think, yeah, when, it's interesting, isn't it? This whole world of, uh, of, of actually going to try to find a job, which is a very different experience, I think, in today's world than it once was. You know, there are so many roles out there online, even in a sort of depressed period as we are at the moment. There's lots out there. It's very easy to, uh, to search click and apply for stuff and think that you're doing really, really well. And, you know, tell your mate that you've, uh, you're well on the way to success because you've made 20 applications in a single day. <laughs> but, but I think you and I might have a different view as to how successful that strategy is. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting because I responded to somebody recently on LinkedIn who had posted something like, you know, I've applied for six jobs this morning and it was midday. And mm. I was like, how on earth have you applied for six jobs? And actually, I know the answer. The answer is you've hit LinkedIn apply or you've hit click apply or you've sent the same CV to each and every job with the same covering letter to each and every job. And there's something weird. I talked to this to my clients about this. When you're on the inside, you can tell what CV has been written specifically for the vacancy that you're looking at and what CV is been sent out to a hundred different vacancies. Don't ask me how I know, but there's just you just develop this innate sixth sense where you just know that this person doesn't really care, and this person has actually taken some time to think about what we're looking for in the role. It's re- it's really it's really interesting. People have said, "Well, how do you get that?" And I'm like, I don't know. It's just a sixth sense when you start to look at a lot of CVs, particularly. You know, I was looking at a lot of senior CVs. You, you just know. <laughs> you just know. I couldn't agree more. I, it, it, it shines through the the individualization, uh, the relevance of of, uh, of the document does does shine through. And of, of course, I've seen more than my fair share of uh, of CVs too. I wonder what you think about even you know the the application process because you're on the other side of the fence to me. I always think of you know. Um, Big companies, particularly you know, really big companies like BA processes, procedures, um, you know, applicant tracking systems, all sorts of uh, things in there. Of, you know, huge numbers of applications to every single job. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to funnel those through. You know, probably there's some automation in there between before it even gets to a, to a person, even for the senior roles where there's there's a there's a smaller talent pool. Um, is that the best? You know, I, I'm all, I always tell people, look. You know, if you're going to make an application to a business and you're aware of a role, speak to somebody first. You know, for, yeah. be, be, go, don't go through the process that is uh, designed to whittle down the numbers. Yes, that works for the company in the broadest sense. But what would work best for you as the individual would be, you know, find somebody in your network who works for the business, navigate a little bit towards where that department is, find out, is there somebody you could speak to? Can you get the inside track before you put pen to paper or you know finger to keyboard on an application to make sure that it is resonating on the key things because i don't know about you but you know you've probably produced more job specs than i have i've certainly produced a few <laughs> and i've had to read into many more and in reality it's 80% bluff and bluster and there's a few key points that really you need to focus on and yeah. being able to understand what they are is important Yeah. And, you know, if you take the example of something like HR business partner, HR business partner can mean, you know, a plethora of different things. It can, Mm. you know, it's almost if you take the CIPD profession map and you break it down, some of them are much more focused on, you know, employee engagement, for example. Some are much more focused on talent management. Some are much more focused on trade union negotiation. And some are actually not an HR business partner. They're an HR manager type role. Mm. So it's it's do a bit of digging, you know, really read behind, you know, really read what's going on behind the job profile. And also, you know, it is easier on LinkedIn nowadays to figure out who it is who's actually posted that job. Yes. Or actually go and do some investigation and find out, you know, LinkedIn, 
All of this is on LinkedIn. And if you're not doing this, you are absolutely wasting your time. Go and look at the organization. Go and do a search of their employees. You know, someone like me who's in HR, it's start with the HR director or head of people or use a a selection of different search terms like that and go and look at those people and what they're doing. Have a look at what they're commenting on. If you can, you know, send them a message and say, you know, I've seen this vacancy. Can I talk to you about it? I don't want to waste your time or my time. Can I just have five, 10 minutes of your time just to really understand what the key challenges in the role are? Because that will tell you whether that's the role that you should apply for or not. And if it's the role that you should apply for, you've already set a seed in that hiring manager's mind. Because what will happen is the hiring manager will go to the recruitment team and go, put this person through to the next stage. Mm. Yep. Rightly or wrongly, they'll go put this person through to the next stage or don't put this person through. <laughs> but yeah. but that's kind of what's going on because what will happen, again, look at it not from your point of view as a job seeker, but just look at it from, a, you know, from the other side of the table. When people are putting out job vacancies right now, they're getting hundreds, if not thousands of applications for that. And very often your your application won't even get seen. Mm. If you just, you kind of put it into this black hole. I'm not saying that's right, but it probably won't get seen. Because if, if, if I can search through and I've got eight people to put forward to the hiring manager, then I'm going to put forward those eight people. I'm not going to go through a thousand applications. So you have to think of a way of, you know, you're not being the, it's it's almost like this, the company is trying to funnel you down a certain path. And I get that. But actually, if you want to stand out, don't put yourself in the funnel, put yourself in the funnel and also go around the back as well. I, I always argue that. Yeah, absolutely. Use the side door as often as possible. And that means direct networking with people that, that work in the business, finding out, as you say, what is the real remit of this role? Because, yeah. you know, a job spec is a job spec, but but it, there's a reason to hire. Why yeah. you're, you're, you're there to solve a problem. It's finding out what the problem is, is yeah. and then obviously demonstrating that you have solved sil- similar problems or that you can be the solution. Um, and that's, information's critical there. You know, everybody tries to put a job spec together that is as good as it can be, but it, it, it often there, you know, a document by committee to some extent, everybody throws in a little bit and they're not, they're just not perfect in any way. But it's a um, wish list. As it's well. a wish list. Yeah. It's like, it's like, here's what we would like somebody in this role to do, you know, absolutely, you know, or in any given year, you will do one of these three things or, you know, you get the, the view from very, you know, maybe more unionized organizations, which is like, put it on the job description because then we can manage someone against it as as we move through. So that's why these job descriptions are actually not job descriptions, they're to-do lists, which Mm. is not a great job description either. No, it's much, you you want to get back to the, to the, the real big meaty issues of, you know, why, why are you hiring this, you know, why are you hiring for this role? What is the problem? And, and look at it that way. And it's very hard to get that across. What Just out of interest as well, I mean, there, here's another argument that I make is, yes, it's one of the things that's happening to, to try and solve this recruitment problem. But the advert in itself is, in my experience, not always the solution provider. In fact, it's not always the most uh, um, effective uh, recruitment strategy. You know, th- there may be a headhunt going on. There'll be an internal 
um, sort of talent pool that you're looking at, there'll be a lot of different things. So, you know, if, for instance, eight CVs make it to the hiring manager in your case, it's not a given that eight of them come from the from the um, advert. In fact, it may be that only four or even two come from the advert and, and others from other from other sectors where actually, or other uh, funnels or, or, or sort of channels where that person is more known, more liked, more trusted because they're an internal or whatever. What's your experience yeah. of that? I mean, I think this goes kind of beyond just recruitment. This feeds into the wider kind of people strategy. So if the organisation's uh, remit or one of their values is actually we promote internally where possible, then at, then what the recruitment team should be doing with HR or talent, however the the, the organisation structured, is first of all going to the succession plan. So what used to frustrate the hell out of me when I was an HR business partner is we'd you know do the performance reviews and we'd look at you know the the talent you know the potential reviews and then we'd go okay so let's look at our succession plan let's put people on succession plans and then those plans would go in a drawer and they'd never get looked at. So when I was when I became head of talent, that was almost my the, one of the first things that I did was I actually rewrote the process for senior hires because we were wasting so much time. So we knew when someone was going to um, uh, resign because they had such a long notice period. So we had a chance to get all of our ducks in the row. What we were finding was, hang on, why have we gone externally and recruited somebody when we have three people on the ready now plan? Why aren't we going to the ready now plan and looking at who it is right now who's who's there and then and then put them through, not appoint them necessarily, put them through a process, a conversation about, you know, where they are right now, what's going on, and then actually start an internal domino effect so that you can then start to pull people in to fill their gap. And it's almost, it's not, it's, it's just approaching it in a completely different way. So rather than going, we've got a gap, let's go to market. It's like, we've got a gap, let's see what we've got internally, because that is such a positive message for your people as well. Mm. So if they can see, actually, people do get promoted, people are spotted from, you know, sometimes quite early on in their career, and they are managed through different roles in an organisation. Sometimes you do have to hire externally, you know, so we would call it, you know, are we, um, you know, we are we buying from from inside? Or are we, you know, we're bouncing people into the organisation, you know, there's, there's a number of, are we borrowing from another department? So someone will come in for a certain period of time to manage that role on a secondment basis until we until we've recruit externally some roles you just either want or need to bring in external talent for a variety of reasons so I think it's linked with a wider people and a wider HR strategy what do you, what are you teaching your uh, and coaching your your uh, uh, candidates if, if that's how you describe them um, when they're looking for their next role because yeah it's something that that obviously I do as well but I find that many people struggle when they go to the market and they don't really know what to do. They're too used to it being done for them and they don't seem to yeah. take very much control over it themselves. You know, people yeah. who are otherwise incredibly, you know, professional, you know, uh, people with a plan in their everyday role, all of a sudden don't seem to have a plan when it comes to finding their next role. Is, is that something you find as well? Yeah, I think what's happening. So with a lot of senior people, um, right now, I'm seeing is their sponsors have disappeared um, from the from the job market. So either they've retired, mm. um, or they are 
just maybe not as influential as they were in that space. So as that's just one thing that's happening. So people are now finding that their their job isn't their next job or opportunity isn't coming towards them. They are having to go out to the market. And actually, this is a skill that they've never had to develop. So mm. they actually don't know where to start. Um, and some of the things that they're thinking about is advice that maybe they heard when they were, you know, 20 years old, sort of stepping out of university for the first time. You know, things like LinkedIn didn't exist. So they think they know how to, you know, use LinkedIn and they actually have no idea. And mm. um, the, the, the main thing for me is kind of less is more. So really depend, I've, I've just had this conversation with somebody um, who approached me as a potential client and they said, actually, what I want to do is take a break. And I went, brilliant, take a break, get closure from your current job. So this is a redundancy situation. Get closure from your current job. Take a Take a couple of weeks or take however long you want, but put a deadline on it and then let's start working together. But one of the first things that I do with people is to go, okay, well, let's think about what your target market is. Mm. So just as if you were an organization selling a product, you would think about, right, who is it who's going to buy that product? And that's what people need to think about with themselves. Also, it's what's important to you. So what are your values? What's really important to you in terms of, an organization what type of organization do you want to work with so we do a values exercise first to identify their values and use that to determine okay so if a job comes up with company x um you know the one of the examples i i love using is the is the weatherspoons example you know the way weatherspoons behaved at the beginning of the pandemic says something about that organization if that is completely misaligned with you and your values you're going to hate it there and you're going to fail so mm. don't don't apply for Weatherspoons. And it kind of feels counterintuitive, but it's I always say less is more. So get clearer on the types of roles that you want, the types of organizations that you want to work for, the types of problems that you can solve, and you present that to your to the world. So you present that to your network, and then you can talk to your network about the types of things that you're looking for and be really specific. And even if you want to put a one pager together and go, you know, here's a, not necessarily a CV, but just a, you know, here's what I'm, here's what I'm looking for. Here's the areas I'm looking for. Here's the types of organizations. Here's, you know, three key career highlights. People can then talk about you on your behalf. You know, I'm seeing all these people on LinkedIn going, Oh, I'm looking for a job. If you hear anything, let me know. And I'm like, well, that's not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I say the same thing is if you don't know what your target is, how, you know, how do you expect to hit it? And and if you're talking to a recruiter or anybody else and you don't understand what it is you have to offer and, you know, in what type of role you would be best suited and in what type of business, you're, you're not giving that person anything to work with. The, I, I come across constant people that are very open and I always think, well, that's, oh, that's you know, that's terrible. <laughs> You know, well, you're going to get you, you, you're, you're, you're sort of scattergun in your approach, and that doesn't work because people need to understand what it is you bring and to what issue or to what yeah. market. And they, they, once they understand that, they can work and start to promote that and, uh, and find your opportunities. But if you're not clear on it, I, I really don't know how to help you. Yeah, people think that they're being, um, they're creating more opportunities by being open. Yes, it sounds like, well, you know, I'm really open. And it's like, well, if you can't describe to me what it is that you do, I can't help you because Mm. I 
if I see something, I'm not, sh- I'm, it's not, there's not an immediate connection between, okay, Jane really wants to be in a talent role in a, a restaurant chain in central London. That's real. That, if I had that versus, well, Jane, Jane kind of would like to do anything in HR. It's like, well, well, do you want to be, you know, do you want to work in public sector, private sector? Do you, do you want to be an HR business partner? Do you want, you know, it's, it's not helpful. People think it is, but it's not. So less is more would be my words of advice. Yes. I'd, I'd say a similar thing. Less is more. Mine's a sort of the 80, 20 rule, you know, spend more time on the, the 20%. You know, spend eighty percent of your time on the twenty percent of opportunities that are going to give you your base, your best reward, um, yeah. and where you're hitting, you know, the the most appropriate target. But yes, I yeah. do. I get a lot of wish lists from people um, without <laughs> any real sense behind it, and of course, yeah, you know that 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 is not helpful in in any way, yeah. uh, shape, or form. I mean, it's it's interesting just from my perspective. So when I'd left BA and I was lo- I was in the job market, I was looking for similar roles, so head of talent roles. Mm. I was, I had a few, I didn't want to do public sector. It was private sector. And I had some companies who were on my hell no list. So I had Mm. a hell no list as well. So it's like absolutely not working with payday loan companies, betting companies, um, tobacco companies and something else. So I think public sector was a massive no for me. So that was what I was looking for. And then I got headhunted. I got approached about the job at Leon as head of training. Now that wasn't something that I had looked at before, but I thought, do you know what? Actually, taking a step back, this does tick my boxes. So this is where the values are really important. So one of the things that I was looking for was kind of creativity, so creative organizations, autonomy, um, you know, and and you know, my boss was just like the king of autonomy. It's like I don't care, you know, I don't care what time you start, I don't care what time you finish, but just be present for this, this, and this. And I'm going to measure you on output. Fantastic. <laughs> and I, and you know, Leon was just kind of tick those boxes. So I thought, actually, this is interesting. It wasn't on my list, but I'm going to pursue this opportunity. And the more that I got into the process, the more I thought, no, this is the job that I actually want. Because it's like bosses, isn't it? I had, you know, three came along at once and it was the Leon one that I selected in the end. And you, I guess you were relatively unfortunate. If it did, did you get a situation where, where you know, the, the industries that you're, you're now, uh, or you were in, of course, I've yeah. been, I've suffered terribly through COVID, you know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you, but yeah. So if I hadn't, if I hadn't left then, I would have probably left now or been on furlough. I, yeah. Yes. More, more than likely. What 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 yeah. would you say? What's the you, you've obviously given some great advice so far. Let's let's I guess um, coming to to a conclusion. What what's the one piece of advice having had the experience that you've had, particularly around redundancy, that I'm sure a lot of people are are suffering from right now or worried about happening next. What were, what's the best piece of advice that you give to people around bouncing back and and getting back into the world of work? I think it's take some time take some time out to get some closure and to really think about what next, but put a time limit on that. And then once that, you know, so from, you know, whatever day it is, that's when you start your job search. But then when you start your job search, rather than focusing first on your CV, focus first on actually what is it you're looking for and get really clear on that. And then how do you solve that problem? 
yes, I can see how that makes sense. Work out what you want to do first, build the CV in the image of what yeah. you actually want to do rather than uh, rather than the other way around. Jane, thank you very much. You've been, uh, you've been a great uh, guest and you've been very, very informative. Thanks very much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you, Tony. Well, there you go. If we didn't already know, um, yes, big companies do have lots of applications to their jobs. They do have an enormous amount of people to and CVs to sift through. It's very, very unlikely your CV will get seen unless you take up a different strategy than just simply clicking and applying to every job that you see on the internet. You have to be more structured. You have to be more targeted. You have to get the inside track and you have to make sure that you stand out from all the other CVs and candidates that are being put forward. And I think Jane gave some great advice there from somebody who's been on the inside of a very large organization and and dealing with all those sorts of applications. So uh, yes, food for thought. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider subscribing. Please consider leaving uh, a review. And of course, there will be more Career Move Secrets coming very soon. (laughs) 